Welcome back to another episode of Broken Record Ministries. I'm Ronnie. Brother Bob's back. How's it going? Medium Mike's back. How y'all doing? Coffee Mike's back. Hello. The Professor, Carl. Why are you looking at all the wrong people? You're weirding me out, man. He's saving the best for last. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> silent Ron couldn't stay silent very much. I thought nah, he was going to call me medium Ron. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for your anticipation, and then you were like, oh, curveball. Yeah, no doubt. Who's going first between the two mics to read our Bible verse? Oh, the mic I will. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a boast. But to fight over something I have no control over. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first verse tonight is from the ESV. It's Psalms 27:14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I'll beat the mics up. Out. Second verse will be Matthew five, forty three and forty four. You have heard that it is it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And our topic this week is Be different. What's that look like? What's that look like for us? What did we think it was? What did it mean when we were on the outside looking in? Not perception-wise, right? Like, outside looking in, it could be perception-wise. And most of the time, it is perception-wise. But now, when we're actively practicing and following, what does that look like to us? used to be uh for me you know checking the boxes and like i've said before you know i i went to uh my wife got me to church for breakfast you know she's like are you gonna get up and go to church uh no well if you don't go to church you're not getting breakfast wait a minute hold on wait okay 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 (laughs) give me five minutes you know no prep no anything no let's just go in and do this and get it done with and move on you know and obviously not the right way other than it was keeping me out of trouble on Sunday morning mm-hmm. not to speak of my Friday nights or my Saturday nights or everything in between mm-hmm. so and then of course now actually being accountable to God is a whole different story because it's not I don't want to check any boxes and I want more I want more church. I want more fellowship with believers. I want to outreach more. I want to. I want to help change people's lives because I know I can't, but He can, and I just want to facilitate in any way possible that He'd allow me to. I agree with Mike. I want to be a willing vessel. You know, perception. You said this is about perception, but actually, it is. You know, before I was a, a, a very strong follower of Jesus. I would look at people that were strong in the faith mm-hmm. and kind of wonder, well, they're, they're, all, they're a little off, mm-hmm. you know, because all they want to talk about is glorifying God and Jesus and, 
at that point in my life, there was more, for, I thought, to life than just talking about God or being with people who, who love God. So my perception at that point, looking inward, from being outside of his love, I was never outside his love, but I was outside of the community of followers, was they're just a little crazy, and I don't think they're going to have much fun. They don't laugh much. Now, that's completely wrong, because now, being in it, I have to look at the people outside going, boy, I wish I could tell you what you're missing. And I, and I try to tell people what they're missing, you know, what they need to do. So I think perception's a big deal. Carl and I talked about that actually on Saturday over a little podcast thing that we talked about here a while back on Digging Deeper. And I was guilty of the wrong perception of something that was taking place. Uh, and it, it just hit me like a load of bricks. I went, wow. So, you're going to look different, bottom line. Right. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at the word holy, it's it's set apart. It's it's to be different, and it it carries the connotation of visually. Like like the Most High does establish commands and expectations that make you look different than the rest of the world. So there is that that perception aspect to it, right? But it's it's the way we look different. Like, are, are, are we, do we look different to the world because we comply with what the Father wants? Or do we look different to the world because we, we go out of our way to appear different, to, to appear self-righteous? Like a good example of that, I think, is like with the Pharisees. One of the things that, that Jesus specifically criticized them for was you have your zit yot long so that everybody notices. A zit were the tassels that they had on their, on their garment, on the fringes. We know that Jesus wore those because that's what the woman with the bleeding grabbed a hold of when she was healed. It's a command. In Scripture, it was a command. You, had to, you, you made a, a thread tassel with a blue thread in it, and the purpose of it was when you looked at it, you would remember who's you, who you belong to. You belong to the Most High, and you had expect, he has expectations for you. There's no stipulation on length, though, right? It, it's for you. It's for you individually to be reminded of who you owe your allegiance to. But the Pharisees were flipping that and making it super long so they'd appear righteous on the outside. So their heart condition for why they were being set apart visually distinct from the rest of the world was all wrong. Right? See, so we've got to get that heart condition right first and foremost. Yes. Could you ask the question again <clears throat> that you asked right at the beginning? Being different? Yeah. But there was... So before Christ... Before you were walking and practicing, how how did you look at the Christian community acting and being different? And now that you're, it's funny because I never it. I never really looked at it at all. You know, I I didn't. It wasn't even a thought when before I came to Christ, I was doing my thing, doing what I thought was right what felt right but then when I did come to Christ even though it felt right before it just enhanced it like 100% because instead of doing it for myself before now I know I'm doing it for him so it just enhances it by 100% and just makes you want to do more and give more because the more I give, the more I get filled. Well, it's good. I'm glad you had a different answer than the rest of the table. See what I did there? Yeah, because, I mean, I never really... Because you asked, how did I look at Christians before 
I never even gave it a thought. I mean, I was in my own world. I was doing my own thing. I was doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying it's bad to do your own thing, but because I felt like I was doing the right thing because I was giving and always helping. But when you start doing it for God, like I said, it just it enhances it by 100%, and the feeling is just way overwhelming. And, uh, and the fact that you're doing it for in his name and you see those people light up or whatever, it just enhances your to-do more level to just keep going. Well, that highlights what I mean, too. Sometimes the outward, what we're actually doing isn't good or bad in and of itself, but our motive. Right. Our motive can make it good or bad. Right. Because, yeah, like I said, I wasn't comparing myself to no Christian. I just, you know, they were doing their thing over here. Ron was over here doing his thing. Didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong, but at the same time, kind of was, or not really was, but for doing it for the most high, totally different feeling. Mm-hmm. Even though both were right, one was just better. Bob? Oh, Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, before I got saved, I was the guy that uh, I looked for the flaws in them. You know, I'd I, I look for ways to be like, I don't want to be like that. I look for the flaws because I knew if I was like that, I'd have to be different. I didn't want to be different at that time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be me. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. You know, and that was me. I, I would I would see people and, you know, they would... Uh, I was I always said that they were the holier than thou's. Mm-hmm. That's what I called them, you know. And it, now, granted, don't get me wrong. Even though I have been saved and and I'm following I'm following Christ now, I still see the people like Mike was talking about people with uh, not having no fun, not laughing. You know. Granted, I don't know their heart. I really don't. And I really don't want to judge them, but, you know, God has got a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. God, yes, he does. God is a cheerful God. He's a happy God. You know, he uh, He laughs. I'm sure he laughs. You know, if he didn't, why would we have them traits? You know, why, why, would, we, why would we feel happy or, you know, or why would we feel sad? God gets sad also, you know. Uh, I'm kind of going to give you a little bit of my, a little bit of a shocker on my part of my sermon. Um, you know, we as Christians, even even as Christians, we will do something, and it it disappoints God. It's got to, you know. And a lot of people are like, "Well, no, you can't disappoint God." You absolutely can disappoint him. You can absolutely hurt his heart. You can make him have pain in his heart for the actions that we do, for the actions I'd done before I got saved. Granted, he knew. He knew who I was. He knew where I was going to end up. But yet, I know without a shadow of a doubt, before I got saved, I put a lot of pain in his heart. Even though. You see what I'm saying? I I know I made him sad. You know, and now 
as Christians, it, you know, Jesus tells us to be different. He says, you be different than what the world is. He says, don't conform yourselves to the world. Don't be like the world. We got to live in this world. We don't got to live of this world. He also tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, guys, how much do we hate ourselves if we can't love our neighbors? Think about that. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I, we got to hate ourselves pretty bad if we cannot love our neighbor. If we, if you know, I used to be the guy. I used to be the guy. I, you know, I thought I loved myself a lot, but you know, looking back, I don't think I did. I don't think I loved enough. I know I didn't love enough. You loved the idea. I love the idea. Of what you thought yourself was. Yes. But to be honest with you, I was probably the biggest hater going. You know, and that means I had to hate myself because I would not help my neighbor. I would not love my neighbor like Jesus tells me to do now. Mm-hmm. You know, them, them two verses, Matthew verses, um, me and another guy was partners in business. And, you know, um, I knew there was some shady stuff going on when, when I first took over the business. I ain't going to lie, you know. And I hadn't been saved yet, but a year into that business, God shook me up and he saved me. He woke me up. And then I started looking at things differently. I started looking at everything differently, you know like some of the things I was doing in that shop and uh, things I, how I was how I was treating people in general you know I wasn't loving them that's for sure all I was doing was trying to get everything I could get out of them but you know like I said when God saved me he changed he changed that attitude he changed my heart he changed my mindset and when he changed my mindset then it went into my heart. That's where it starts. It starts in your mind. If you don't got the right mindset, and you think you got the right mindset, you better back up and start over again because you don't. Mm-hmm. He won't change your heart until you change your mind. Absolutely, he will not change your heart until you change your mindset. And that you know, and when I when I that was one thing that he showed me. I mean, just right off the get go, you got to change your mindset to be able to change your heart. Because even after I got saved, I was still trying to do the old things. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it and it wasn't working out. Oh my gosh! It was it was just, it was horrible. It was horrible the things that I would do, and then I would look back on it a few days later. I'm like, man, God, why'd I even do that? You know? And I struggled. I struggled for. I bet I struggled for probably a year. But the only reason I was struggling. And I know it was, was because in the partnership I was in. I, there was a lot of pressures there. There was a lot of anxiety in it. There was a lot of there was a lot of hate in it. And when I when I when I finally when God finally opened my eyes, I threw my hands in the air, loaded my toolbox up, called him up one day and be like it's yours. I'm walking away. And when I walked away, I walked away from a lot of stuff. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I lost a lot of money when I walked away. Which, you know what? I don't care. 
I absolutely don't care because, you know, that's what I needed to do. I needed to change my mindset. I needed to change I needed to change the atmosphere I was in to be able to understand what God really wanted for me. So, you know, in order to be different, in order to be different, sometimes you gotta you gotta change a lot of stuff and it may be some drastic stuff. It may be losing a best friend. It may be it may be losing a relationship that uh, you've had for years, but it needs to go away. You know, God will take stuff like that out of your out of your out of your life just to be able to get you to understand. And you know, and and at first, at first you think it's wrong. At first, you think he's he's mean, and he's being rough on you. You know, and he's being harsh with you. In a sense, he is, but in the long run, he's not. He's giving you the most precious thing, the most precious gift he can give you. And that's peace of heart. You know, and that's how we get to be different. We gotta when we when we give ourselves to when we give ourselves to Jesus, because he's the one that hung on the cross for our sins, nobody else. It was absolutely him and him alone. He was our whipping boy. And we gotta understand that. We gotta understand that our king. Our king, the one that is the ruler over us, the one that created us, become our whipping boy. Think about that for a minute. Think about the lashes he took on his back. Think about the scourges he had in his side. Think about that crown of thorn he had around his head. They was ripping, just ripping his beard and stuff out, just pulling it, I mean, skin and all, you know. I mean, that's torture. That's torture. But guess what? I'd done that to him. Me personally, with all the sins that I, with all the sins and all the diso, disobeying him and not and not being a part of him, I'd done that. That was me that done that. And you know, I take that personally now, and I try to strive to be better. I still mess up because he says I'm gonna fall short. That's why we live by grace and mercy. You know, because he knows we're gonna fall. He knows we're gonna mess up, but yet he still chooses to love us. Think about man, that hard to fathom, isn't it? Hard to fathom that love like that. Yep. But, you know, to, to strive to be different, when we strive to be different, and you really want to be different, take on the character of God. Take on His traits. Take His heart. Put your own heart aside. Take His thoughts. Put your thoughts aside. See what I'm saying? Is that clear as mud? It's hard to take. It's hard to take. It is. But, Very you know, hard to take. The thing is, is the God honest truth is hard to take. It's a hard pill to swallow. But yet, you can choke it down. And the only way to the, the only way to really be different is you gotta go back to that person, that personal relationship. You gotta have it. And you gotta be and you gotta be true and honest about it. You know, you can't we can't use him as a genie in the bottle. That's how we're different. You gotta, you gotta go to him, and, and, and don't go to him and crying all the time, whining and, and boohooing. I'm gonna say it, pissing and moaning about everything. <laughs> I'm just gonna, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. We piss and moan about everything. We think that we deserve a lot, and we deserve nothing. We deserve nothing. But yet, he says, "You're worthy." Well, you're making you, me feel unworthy do, right now. You can't Just be so unworthy. You know. 
You just can't so be you know, unworthy, Ron. Feel real bad about Ron. Ron. You can't right. be unworthy, Tell brother. Him. I know, but you're making me feel bad here. We're undeserving. We are worthy because he says we're worthy. Right. He loves us that much. He's the one who bought us back at that price. Nobody else. Him alone. And him alone should have all the glory, all the honor. I don't care what you think, how sourpussed you are. If you're a devout Christian, you know what? Take his traits on. Take his mindset. Take his heart. Take his thoughts. Just take the whole being of God because that's what he wants. That's the only way you're going to get rest in your life. That's all I got, guys. One I will say, it, you know, when there's something in us that isn't good, because you're convicted, I can tell by what he was saying, it starts with that feeling. And I want to I read a verse that highlights that, and also for anybody that doesn't believe what you said, Bob, about how our behavior does hurt him, this is a verse that's really powerful to me from Ezekiel. It's chapter 6, verse 9, and he's talking about the remnant. It's after he brings punishment down upon the people for their, their rebelliousness. They refuse to repent. And he talks about a remnant that he restores to it. But he says this. He says, I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me. That word hurt there is shabar in Hebrew, and it means to crush or to break in pieces. He says, I've been crushed and broken to pieces by your rebelliousness. And then he says, and by their eyes, which played the harlot after their idols, and they will, this is the remnant he rescued, okay, the ones that repented. They will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed for all their abominations. And that's not the only time that, is he, that he says this to Ezekiel. There's other occasions, too. He says a very similar thing in Ezekiel 36 when he's prophesying about the new covenant and the role of the Spirit in leading us to obey his, to obey his law, to obey his commandments. That's part of, the, part of the new covenant that really doesn't get preached on a lot. Part of the role of the Spirit is to lead you back to the law, not lead you away from it like we've been taught for so long. But it starts with them loathing themselves. He brings that he brings that self-reflection into our heart for a reason so that we can understand how badly it hurts him. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think it's got to start with a, with a with a proper understanding of what it does to him. He's still merciful, he still loves us, he still wants to restore us from that, but we have to have enough love for him to understand how we've hurt him to mm-hmm. properly repent. Yep. Otherwise, we are treating him like a genie in a bottle where we're just doing right just as much as we as we have to do to get blessings from him. Yep. And that's not love. You, you don't properly love any, any, even our human father. You don't properly love your human father by just doing for them when they can, when they can buy you something that you want. Right. You know what I mean? When they can buy you presents and buy you gifts. I'm going to be nice to my dad when it's, when it's my birthday so I can get presents. Then after, after it's all said and done, I'm going to treat him like garbage again. Yeah. That's too often how we approach the, the, the eternal father. I'm going to do as much as I have to do for him to get earthly blessings, and then I'm going to shake my fist and piss and moan when I don't get the blessings that I want. And, man, if you want to see an example of how much he hates that, look at the people of Israel wandering around for 40 years. Absolutely. You know, that's why they wandered for 40 years, because all they'd done was grumbled and groaned and complained. They missed every blessing that he he gave them. I mean, he fed them every day. Manna come out of heaven every day. They ate, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Instead of glorifying the, right. the, the even what? the present of it falling, their shoes never wore out. Yeah. Their clothes never wore out. They never I mean, lacked for food or water. Exactly. Yeah. Never did they have to hunt for anything. All they had to do was pick it up off the ground. Yeah. I mean, they rebelled once for for each plague that he brought to the to the Egyptians to rescue them. They rebelled plague for plague. Yep. Ten ten rebellions for ten plagues in the span of just a few months. Yes. 
10 rebellions, and most of the rebellion was based upon grumbling and complaining, mm-hmm. most of it. And lest we point our fingers at them and say, oh, look at them silly silly Israelites and, and, and wayward Egyptians that were with them. Look at how, how stupid they were rebelling again. We do the same thing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We do the exact same Absolutely. thing. I did the same thing today and yesterday. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'll be open and, and, and honest. I think sometimes that's why we wander aimlessly in life and never really figure out what life's about. Mm-hmm. Because we don't absolutely submit ourselves to God, submit ourselves to our King. We don't absolutely just humble ourselves before Him and drop down, face on the ground. You know, yep. the hard part is, is you know, we can't. We need to not be prideful. We need to hit them knees. We need to hit that ground face first, face in the dirt, and be like, "Please, Lord, forgive me for what I've done." Yeah. I mean, it just, that's the only way we're gonna. That's the only way we're gonna be different from this world. He says at one point, I forget where it's at, to fast and mourn, and you know, when you're when you're made aware of your sin, take it seriously. Absolutely. Don't, don't treat it like a flipping. Oh, I'm sorry, my bad, God. I'll try to do better next time. You know, we yep. need to be more serious about our sin. He's serious about it. Absolutely. We need to be serious, serious about, about it too. It. The thing is, is is when 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 I come to the end of my time on this earth. I do not, absolutely do not want to stand before him and him say, I never knew you get away from me, Satan. You know, I used to tell people that, uh, I used to tell people that he would run this big reel in front of you, telling you that you could have done it this time or you could have done it that. That's a flat out lie. And I, I, I figured that out because he showed me this. You know, he's not going to do nothing. He's not even going to talk to you. He's going to say them words to you. I never knew you get away from me, Satan, and you're done. Absolutely done. So, you know, he gives us this time on, on, on this earth to choose him. You can't do it after you die. You can't do it after this life. You've got to do it now. If you don't do it now, you're lost. Mm-hmm. Period. Bold, hard truth. Yeah, what does Joel say? Or he say through Joel, come to me while there's time? Yes. That's a, it's, it's scary the way that statement's framed. While there's still time, yep. come to me. I'm, my arms are wide open. You can repent, but time's yep. running out. You know, he used to he used to allow people to live eight, nine hundred years. He got tired of that real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he said, no man will live to be over 120 years. I'm done with it. You know, we better thank, we better thank him and praise him for that because he could have said, oh, Man, you know what? You're out of here. You're done. Mm-hmm. Boom. Gone. Sorry. What are you sorry about? <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know. Got him fired up. I did. <laughs> Holy Spirit right there. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's the other side. Side B, if you will. Right? Like, Nobody's more judgmental than I am of myself. So even if I changed my mind and my heart, like I don't see it, but I'm glad that other people do see it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, because I don't look at myself that way either. Right, My heart's like, my heart, and I just put it out there. I don't see... Because I used to be really bad. Like, I got hurt in the church building before and the people in a church building. So then it was just like, I was like that sniper in a tree. 
right? Like ready to pick off whatever they were happy and glorious about, make fun of whatever they were happy and glorious about, just tear the whole Bring theology back down. down. To Ronnie. Yeah. Bring back down to Ronnie. Yeah. Because at some point I thought they thought they were holier yeah. than thou. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether they did or not. You were right. looking for them flaws. You thought they yeah. were. Yeah. I thought they yeah, were. Yeah, it was your perspective. Right? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, you and I had the same perspective. Yeah. I mean, you know. And so it was like, okay, well, guess what? You're coming down to my level now. Yeah. We was going right? to snipe them out. And then it just clicked one day. Right? It's like the Case for Christ book, movie, series, oh, whatever. Oh, Yeah. Like, I wasn't... An atheist, like I, I, I knew there was a God. I believed, mm-hmm. right? I just wasn't because of past hurt and past teachings. It was the uh, hellfire and brimstone. Well, I'm not perfect, anyways. Mm-hmm. I already screwed up that test. I flunked that final. Mm-hmm. So let's just live wild and reckless. Yeah. Right. You get to the point of there's already too much I've done. You can never forget all of this. Right. There's no way. There's no no the, no reason to even try anymore. Yeah. I stepped in that right? building. Right. It's coming down. Yep. It's coming down on top of me because that's how bad I've done it. That's how much I've screwed it up. And the thing about that is, is the ones that say that stuff sometimes say, "Well, I'm going to hell," you know. But then, if you believe in hell that much. Why can't you believe in God and heaven is just as much, right? Again, perspective. You know, you know I mean? I'm it's going to hell. Well, if you're going, if you believe in hell, then you should believe here. And then, yeah. if you do believe here, then you have every right that you can make it there mm-hmm. because He allows it, right? As long as you know. And sometimes I think people, whether it's they don't take that step again. Because some of us, I know, I was never taught that you didn't have to start over after your sin. You know what I mean? In each time that you sinned, you didn't have to start over again. It wasn't a, you know what I mean? Yeah. It well, wasn't a restart. You have to ask for your salvation back, or you know, like I got to trade it like like a bubble gum. You know what I mean? When I was younger, when I was went to church, and I thought I was living to God, and I'd do something wrong, I'd be like, "Well, crud, I screwed that up. Can we go back, you know, and restart, get resaved, so it's like a fresh slate every time?" Right. You know, I didn't know that you didn't have to do that. Right. You know, and the bad thing is, if you if your thought mind process is there, is that's where it's at. You get to the point where you just get down on yourself, and you're like, "What's the point?" Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. What's 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 the point of doing it? Because yeah. I'm just going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And you know, how many times is he going to say, "Okay, you're good," right? Before yeah. I get it, or mm-hmm. how many how many times is that brand new chalkboard going to be erased and still have chalk remnants on it? Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna lie. When I first got baptized, when me and Karen got baptized, that was the first time I ever got baptized, right? Mm-hmm. I come out of that water, I felt so refreshed, like everything was just off of me. It didn't take a week before I felt like I was weighed down again mm-hmm. and thinking, man, maybe I should just go back and get baptized again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't need that. Right. Right. But yet. No, it was just those fiery darts coming at you a little bit 
with a little bit hotter. hotter. Yeah, a little hotter. Right. That's why I like the there's there's a provision in the law for the the purifying water, and it's 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 a, it's really a metaphor for for Jesus for what he does for us. It, like a lot of that when you look at like temple stuff, it was pointing to Jesus. But there's one provision for if you become unclean for some reason. So, like, if you touch a corpse or something like that, if, if there's something physically that occurs that makes you ceremonially unclean so you can't come in the presence, then on the third and the seventh day, you would immerse yourself in this purifying water, and it would, it would remove that uncleanness from you. And that's really what, what baptism essentially is, is that, that, that purifying water mm-hmm. ritual, right, that always pointed to Jesus. But the reason I love that, though, is it's like a continual thing. It's not a once and done. It's whenever, whenever the world, whenever your mistakes, whenever... Whenever the enemy covers you in that uncleanness again, there's always that provision there to cleanse you again, mm-hmm. right? And that's really why that points to Jesus, in my opinion, is it's that, that perpetual cleansing, right? He, yeah. he understands, like, like your imperfection is what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is your imperfection is built into his law. Right. That the imperfection is built into it. He already expected and anticipated that put provision in the law to, to perpetually cleanse you. He already stupid. on our stupid. Exactly right. Exactly but he also, right. but he also to, to to add to that, you know that that's why he tells us to keep our accounts short. That's why he says repent daily, because he knows we're going to sin. You know the thing is, is is when we wake up out of bed, we pro- we probably already sinned several times. Mm-hmm. As soon as you open your eyes, I mean, and he knows that. You know, just take just take it like uh, what what happens when you go to work and you work all day. It's hot outside. You get dirty. You get sweaty. You get greasy. Whatever, you know. It's the same thing. I mean, we live in this world, and sin's just going to collect to you. You know what I'm saying? And that's why he says keep it short. That's why we go home and repent daily, and we ask for forgiveness every day because he's going to take his, his clean, nice, pretty white coat off, and he's going to take our sin coat, and he's going to put that on, and he's going to give us that clean one because he knows he's going to have to do it again for us the next day. The thing is, is once you understand that you've been that you've been in that sin, then you strive not to do that sin no more because there's going to be other sin in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, because he's going to have to do it all over again. That's why he says, "Come to me and repent daily." You know, and that, and that goes back to having that personal relationship. If you're going to him every day and repenting, you're building a relationship with him. You're talking to him, and that's what he wants. You know, mm-hmm. and he, he says, "Pray continually to me," which means talk to him. You don't have to have your head bowed down. You don't have to be, you know. Don't get me wrong; it's good to be flat face on that ground. It really is because he's our king, and and we need to bow to him. But. He's also our friend. He wants us to be. Our, he wants to be our friend. He wants us to talk, just like we're sitting here talking right now. Mm-hmm. I think you see that paradigm perfectly pictured in Abigail. Like yeah. when she first meets David, she like to to undo the the sin of her husband at the time, Nabal. She comes to David face down. Mm-hmm. Like she she goes completely prostrate and makes herself completely low. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ultimately, David becomes her husband at the end of that, and it's sort of that same process for us. Like we come in the presence of. Of, of Jesus face down he's our king but at the same time where's bride right you know what I'm saying so it's, mm-hmm. it's it's sort of that same same picture we yeah. have there we come to him in that that prostrate posture 
in repentance, but he loves us. Yes. He doesn't view himself as a, as a taskmaster over us. He views yeah. himself as a, as a bridegroom. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people try to deem God as a mean God. Mm-hmm. He's not a mean God. He's mm-hmm. a just God. Right. He's a merciful God, but he's also going to correct the ones he loves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, if he's not, if you're not getting correction from God, are you really following me? Sometimes that correction hurts. It does, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's what it takes. And you know, Correct. God, God's not gonna, <laughs> God's not gonna beat around the bush. Right. He's gonna go right direct to the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He only hurts us when he needs to. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Because he's tried before and we haven't done it. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly right. I was just throwing that point out there. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Mike, Mike, Alpha, Beta. You guys fight over which one's which. <laughs> we all we all know which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add, either one of you? No. No, I'm shaking my head. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Well, let's pull a needle off the record then. Let's give our final thoughts. So you two better come up with something real quick. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've probably said enough. <laughs> That's, I've said more than what I thought I'd say. Oh, now that the record buttons are pressed, you're going to be silent, Ron. Now I'm. I don't. Yeah, just for the say. record, so that we have this on tape. Really, Ron has has been pretty mouthy since he got here. You been know what? I'm gonna go home and terror. pray for you, Mike. Okay, see, and obviously <laughs> I'm gonna go home I, and pray for you. It. I know I need it. <laughs> but yeah, he's been, he's been on one, and then he gets here and he gets on on recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so you know, he's throwing me under the bus, <laughs> like a good brother does. Well, uh, <laughs> well, while you guys think of yours, I'll go ahead and say mine. All right, right? Like I used to always pick at all those people use the slang words right like drink the kool-aid mm-hmm. whatever now the kool-aid tastes pretty good mm-hmm. tastes so great yep. and if it takes me to be weird be different be outspoken shocker right Mm -hmm. be whatever so i can help him get more people to feel like i feel or like we feel around the table i'll be a weird duck i'll be Mm -hmm. that purple mallard i don't care (laughs) purple mallard there you go i do got a final thought good i agree with ronnie oh (laughs) look at there that don't work Hey, we get one agree the whole night, so I'm good. I just use mine. It might be a decade before I do it again, but that's that's on tape. By the way, no screen grabs. No nothing. Well, last time I was having a birthday dinner with one of my daughter's friends. I was just talking about you know things we're doing and he's doing through us. And she looked at me. She said, "You know." You're a different person. You seem different. I said, "Yeah, I'm sold out." She goes, "Yeah, you're, you're like you're like a Jesus freak." And amen. 
And the old mic would have, the old mic would have went. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The new mic was. I'm gonna wear that as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Did you say thank you? Yes, I did. There you go. <laughs> yep. And they're, you know, they're young. They're couple. They're, they're just starting their journey with walk with Christ. And I, as I, as we drove away, I couldn't help but think, boy, I sure hope I portrayed Jesus' love tonight. You know, that they saw something in me, given to me by, by God, that they want to pursue themselves and bring their child up in that. That's the only thing I could think of. And I guess that's kind of my final thought. Be a freak. Fly the flag. Do whatever you got to do. Sell out. Because I, I am. I'm not changing. Other Mike? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just say I've done life on my own terms. I've had relationships. I've had friendships. I've had acquaintances. I've done things in my life that at one point in time was my absolute dream. And very few people can say that, that they've actually lived their dream. And I have. And it is absolutely nothing compared to my life that I live with Christ. So I would challenge all of us to be different, no matter the cost, because it's worth it. Carl, silent round. (laughs) Go ahead, buddy. All right, right on. For me, when it comes to being different, it all comes back to love. There's a reason whenever Jesus was asked, you know, you know, what's the greatest commandments? It was love God with all your heart first and foremost. And that that expresses itself in obeying him for the right reason. Right? Not like the Pharisees who are obeying to be seen, but obeying because he said so and because you love him. And secondary to that's loving your neighbor as yourself. If you're truly following the eternal father and obeying him, that should express itself in loving the people around you. Again, for the right reasons. That was the biggest change for me was loving other people. Like, I could outwardly do the commands for years and hate my brother in my heart at the same time. And none of the outward observance meant a thing as long as I was hating for my heart. That was, that was the big change he made in me that, that made the biggest difference. I'll just close with, with a story I read recently, and I loved it, <clears throat> that kind of expresses, I think, what I'm trying to get across, what we've been trying to get across. There was a college student that had, had found Jesus recently really long, unkempt hair, uh, you know, T-shirts with holes in it, no shoes, went barefoot. And he passed this conservative church on his way to school every day. But one day he decided to stop in. See, it was all about it was a really successful church by worldly metrics, had all the right programs, all the right outreach, all the right ministries. And he comes in a little bit late one Sunday morning, and it's full. He's walking down the aisle trying to find a place to sit. Everybody's dressed in their Sunday best. Very conservative, you know. All the traditional stuff that's not necessarily biblical, but doing checking all those boxes like Mike says, like Alpha Mike says. The Alpha Mike. <laughs> the Alpha Mike. Mm-hmm. And he's walking down the aisle, and he's, he's trying to find a place to sit because he doesn't want to invade anybody's space, right? So he's, he's trying not to sit too close to anybody because he doesn't want to make anybody uncomfortable. As he's walking closer to the front, he can hear whispers, people whispering about him. Oh, look at that guy. Look at his hair. Look at the way he's dressed. And he has shoes on. Gets all the way to the front, doesn't find anywhere to sit, so he just sits on the floor, in front of the front pew. Still these whispers. And the pastor comes up, and he's looking at him, and then a, an, an elderly gentleman, a deacon, in the back gets up. In his silver hair, in a suit, 
with a cane, starts slowly walking down, walking down the aisle, straight toward this guy. Everybody sees it. You can hear the whispers again. I'll get. I'm glad somebody somebody's going to address this. Somebody's going to take care of this because this isn't this isn't right. This isn't this isn't the way things should be on a Sunday morning. And the pastor's speechless because you can kind of feel what's probably going to happen. He's you know he's torn in his heart about what should occur, right? And the deacon finally gives up this college student, and he sets his Bible down, he sets his cane down, and he sits down next to him. And he reaches out his hand, shaking, and shakes, shakes the guy's hand so he wouldn't be alone. Mm-hmm. And the pastor gathered himself. Everybody went to a hushed silence. And after the pastor finally gathered himself and cleared the tears from his eyes, he said, you know, the sermon I'm about to take the, the next hour to preach, nobody in, here, nobody in here will remember a word of what I said. But what you just saw, you'll never forget. That's what it means to be different. That's what it means to walk as he walked. That's the most important way we can stand out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bob, since you didn't read a Bible verse because you didn't have your eyeballs, <laughs> can you pray us out? Absolutely. <clears throat> most gracious Heavenly Father, Father, I just stand before you humbled. Father, I just, uh, oh, Father, I just thank you for what you've done for me, Father. And Father, I thank you that uh, you chose me. Father, I thank you that you saved me. I thank you, Father, for I thank you for your son, Father, because he's the one that uh, come to take all my sins. And Father, we know that uh, we know that was a lot of them. Father, I just uh, I give you the praise, Father. I give you the glory for that. I just pray, Father, that we can uh, I pray that we can just Father, we just take you and your whole being, your heart, your mind, your thoughts. Father, I just pray that we can just instill them in our in us. Allow you to instill them in us. Father, I just pray that uh, that the Holy Spirit just that He speaks volumes through us. And Father, I just uh, I ask that we can just go out and allow Him to speak them volumes to other people. Father, so they know they know that you're real. They know that you are the one and only God. Yes. And Father, I thank you and praise you for that. I give you the praise of glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And until next time, we will catch you on the flip side.